0: Hello, basketball fans, and welcome to yet another edition of the Hoop Jet Podcast series. We keep coming out, and y'all keep loving us. We keep, we're we going to keep it going. As you know, I'm your host, Chris Farmstead. With me is my marvelous co-host, Mr. Connor Summers. Connor, how was your weekend, my man?
1: It was good, Tom. Thank you, man. Busy weekend, but enjoyed it.
0: Busy as well. I had a lot going on as well, but I couldn't help myself but watching a little bit the rest of March Madness. We had the Sweet 16 go through and the Elite Eight this past weekend and it was some great basketball being played over the weekend I gotta tell you I had my hopes on the Peacocks keeping the run alive but falling short to North Carolina which I mean North Carolina is a fantastic program I kind of figured they would run away with it Uh, they ended up winning taking the East out uh, 69-49 against the Peacocks but that team out of New Jersey man what a story you know.
1: Absolutely time. Yeah, I I, uh, I agree wholeheartedly. I unfortunately midnight struck on Cinderella. Great great team, great coach, but at the end of the day they lost the Iona Gales twice. They made one more three than you and I out there and just they couldn't get defensive stops so they could get out and get out and play their game. So a lot of things went wrong for the Peacocks. Couldn't put the ball in the basket. Bottom line, UNC playing hot basketball, moving on to the Final Four against the the arch rival Duke Blue Devils and what will be one of the most anticipated showdowns in the history of uh, March Madness.
0: And like you said, Duke going to be a Duke-UNC Final Four after UNC beating St. Peter's and Duke beating Arkansas. It was kind of scary to start, but then Duke kind of turned on the Jets late in the second half. Lights out shooting, great defense. And this will be the first time that Duke and UNC meet in a Final Four, which I think that's history upon itself. You kind of wish it would have happened earlier than what it was, especially when you had, you know, Roy Williams still at UNC. I think that would have been a fantastic – Coach K, Roy Williams at that point. Oh, man, that would have been epic.
1: (sighs) Yeah, I I agree, man. I was surprised to see that stat – uh, back to the Duke Blue Devils, like like we both predicted, against the Red Raiders back in the Sweet 16, they pulled away late. They closed that game just like I predicted. After I watched the Red Raiders play the the Dame Boys, and then moving on to Arkansas, like you said, kind of a kind of a sluggish start, but then led wire to wire, kind of from midway through the first half. Um, they just they're playing so well. They're when they're playing hot, they're probably the best team in the country. Maybe maybe Rock Chalk Jayhawk can can give them a little run, but we'll talk about that other half in a sec. But as far as Duke UNC goes, it looks like initial initial lines out, and they've got Duke as you know as the the decent favorites in that in that game, which you have to expect. The one thing I will say is UNC. You would think you know after playing the Pe- Peacocks you're questioning their, their strength of schedule in the tournament but let's not forget they, they beat number one seeded Baylor Bears and also the UCLA team which is so good come tournament time so they're battle tested and uh, I foresee this being a, a very tight game I'm gonna give the nod to the Blue Devils I like I like that
0: you know the matchup that we do have here at do like you know I would love to see Duke move on I think and I talked about this early on with Duke having lost in the ACC title game and having lost to North Carolina in Coach K's last game. I think this is the righteous way to do it. They win their final four matchup, go on to the national championship, and win it all for Coach K. And like you said, the line is closed. They have, according by Caesar Sportsbook, they have Duke minus four. It's That's a two-possession game. So they're kind of giving it a little bit of leeway, but not so much. I do, I like Duke coming out of that matchup um, mm-hmm. just to kind of give that, you know, resurgence and that, you know, revenge game kind of situation. But both teams are going to come out shooting. Both teams are going to come out hot defense, hot offense. They're trying, they're, they're, they're going at it right now. And Coach K has nothing to lose.
1: Definitely, definitely. I- uh, last thing I'll say is when these two teams met that that game in Cameron, it, it looked like Duke was playing with all that weight of, uh, of Coach K, you know, his final home game. I think once the tournament started, they've been handling that better. This is his last ride, but it's not like they're thinking about that. It, it doesn't look like they're just thinking, thinking about that the whole time they're playing. They're, they're going out and executing their game. I, that's why I think this time around they won't make the mistake of, of letting letting their foot off the gas and, and UNC kind of ran away with it and Cameron this time I, I think I you know you gotta you gotta give Duke the uh, the overall um, they got the, they got more talent they have uh, probably a little better shooting so it's gonna be their their game win or lose
0: right and what's what I find is an interesting stat I'm looking at the bracket. 3 out of their 4 games they've had exact 78 points. When they played wow. Steve Fullerton in the first round they had it was 78-61. When they played Texas Tech in the in the Sweet 16 they won 78. and they just beat Arkansas over the weekend they beat them 78-69. The interesting wow. to see if they score 78 exactly against UNC. There you go. That would be the goal. So, like we said, the first half of the Final Four, we have Duke UNC playing on April second at 8:49 uh, p.m. Eastern Standard Time. That's the second game, but the first game that we have, uh, we have Villanova versus Kansas. Villanova Villanova coming off a close win against the Houston Cougars, who I thought would you know pull away. I thought had a good chance, but it was a low scoring. It was a low scoring game. It yeah. kind of it felt close. It was a very defensive-minded game by both Nova and and the Cougars. I think. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I've, I've,
1: I've, yeah. I've, all time, I, I saw the Cougars just miss so many shots. It was disappointing too because you wanted them to make a push at the end. They just couldn't make an open three. Their uh, their star point guard Kyler Edwards had a night to forget, which is a uh, shame to see. And uh, just Nova was uh, too strong, uh, pretty much leading I think wire to wire in that one. And uh, the the worst part about that game is uh, Justin Moore, the uh, the shooting guard for Villanova, tore his Achilles late in that game on a on just like a jab step move, which is just so sad to see. Not only because he's a fantastic player, but talking about you know just a human being trying to compete in uh one of the, the greatest tournaments in our in our history of uh basketball and we're not going to be able to see him Saturday so that just means somebody else is going to have to step up and uh Nova does have the depth to produce that talent but but we'll have to see and uh great tournament from Houston like you said disappointing finish but they they've got a lot to be proud of as well I I and like
0: you said Tyler Edwards he went 1 for 2 of 8 from 3 not and the team itself went one of twenty from behind the arc, five percent from three point land. That's tough. That's not you win you anything?
1: Yeah, yeah, definitely not. I think they average around thirty five as a team, so they were one uh, one seventh of that, which just isn't isn't going to cut it.
0: Right. So Villanova, the winner of that game, and then the other game, which I kind of figured would be a blowout. It was later on a blowout, but because yeah. Kansas twenty seventy six at halftime. Miami was there. Miami. It was right there up. They were but, up six. Yeah. Yeah. But Kansas we're not doing all the way late. Their shooting was phenomenal, I think. I had hopes for the Canes, but I think Miami had one great tournament run, making it to the Elite Eight, I think. They have nothing to be ashamed about. They went farther than a lot of the people thought, except if you went Miami. But it was just that second half killed them. They only scored. They scored. You're right. They were up six by the first half. Second half, Kansas scored 47 points in that second half, and Miami only 15. So it was, it was not a good shooting in that second half. It was Kansas turned on the Jets, and they didn't look back.
1: Wow. Yeah, that's crazy. The numbers behind those those two halves talk about a tale Taylor of two halves. Uh, like you said, I I expected Kansas to win this one pretty easily, but Miami has those two uh, two guys, Isaiah Wong and Cam Mcgusty, both can play some really good basketball, and they were they were hot in that first half. Then it was really a Ajabi a who turned it on for the Jayhawks. I think he led the team with a with a game high 18 points but he you know he just kind of scored easily uh, was shooting his uh, his three ball very well which is a great sight for for Jayhawks fans and then they they just have so much electricity with their their two guards and Remy Martin and the, the Dewan Harris guy those guys push the rock and and the rest of the guys kind of fall into place and David McCormick the the Norfolk Academy product the local product you got to give him credit he brought energy he kind of sparked that run initially with a couple and ones and that got the rest of their team going so
0: absolutely and they just didn't look back so that that other the so kansas will play villanova in the first game at 6 9 p.m eastern time uh they do according to caesar sportsbook they have kansas at a minus four and a half which is a little bit more comfortable than Duke UNC but I kind of do see Kansas unless you know unless Gillespie has a great shooting night keeps right. up the way that he's been going it's going to be tough for Nova to kind of hold off the Kansas defense because they've been red hot right now they've turned yeah. it in the second half and they don't look back they keep playing mm-hmm. with the high momentum high shooting percentage and it'll ju- it, it just comes to them
1: Hmm. Yeah, I, I I foresee it being a, a Kansas Jayhawk night, just because it's tough tough to overcome the loss of, if not one of their best, if not the best player on their team, one of the best players, and Justin Moore. Gillespie's really good, obviously, but Moore can he, he's kind of a killer for that team, and and losing him just that's pretty deflating. Unless Gillespie goes for thirty and, and ten, I just don't see it happening
0: absolutely so both those games will be played on april 2nd at 609 first game villanova kansas 609 p.m eastern standard time and the 849 game duke much anticipated duke unc game at 849 p.m eastern standard and winners will play the final on april 4th so hopefully we'll have that coverage live during the during our episode. so be in tune for that I think it'd be interesting if
1: we got that live. That would be cool.
0: Yep. So moving on towards the NBA, we're we're getting down to the nitty-gritty. I think we're at about a week and a half left in the season. And some interesting uh, standing changes. Uh, Miami is no longer the number one team in the East. That spot belongs to Boston. Boston on a run. They have won nine of their last ten. They're on a six-game win streak. they' they have the same record as Miami, but points per game is higher. Opponent's points per game is less, and they've been on a tear. Now, with uh, Tatum and Brown kind of not playing tonight, is do you kind of change it? To do you change your uh, position as to what, you know, with Miami not being the number one? Is Boston now a threat to make an impact in the Eastern Conference playoffs?
1: Yeah, the narratives changed a little bit, like you said. The, the C's are firing on all cylinders. I have watched a couple games at the Garden. That guy, uh, Jalen Brown, he really is electric. Um, I knew it coming out of Cal Berkeley. I don't know why he played college ball there, but but I, I watched. You know, I stayed up later to watch him play on the West Coast a couple times, and I knew right then and there he was going to be a star in this league pair him with the uh, with Tatum, the, the the former Duke Blue Devil. They're just they're lighting it up, scoring at will, both attacking the 10 and and, and making spectacular plays. So I uh, I do I do echo the uh the number one spot. I think it's well deserved and uh they're hotter than anyone right now, so right. And it and it only be interesting cuz because what I do see is
0: that no no one in the East, no Eastern Conference team has yet clinched a playoff spot. They, They haven't yet clinched a playoff berth, which is surprising considering the top six are above the 40 mark in wins and Cleveland's sitting right there at 41, but they're in seventh. Yet no one has clinched a playoff spot yet. Phoenix has clinched the best record in the league at 61 wins. And Memphis has clinched a playoff spot with 52. And, you know, we got to talk about the Lakers because it kind of wears me down. They're one game away from not being anywhere in playoff contention. <laughs> uh, yeah.
1: Yeah. That, not exactly the Showtime Lakers that we once knew. No. Um, yeah, I saw the other night LeBron had a huge game. They, they still blew, like, a 20-point lead. Just
0: they lost to the Pelicans. <laughs> yeah. Oh
1: wow! Yeah, it's just just a disgusting loss, and you just got to question their leadership these days. They don't really have uh, have any kind of team camaraderie, which is uh, what you need in the NBA, man. And uh, it's sad to see. I know as a Lakers fan yourself, probably a little depress- depressing because you have so many chances over you know such a long season. And uh, it's still just, you're scratching your head at the end of the day.
0: You you are, and at some point, you're kind of just like, I'll throw in the towel in this season. It's just been kind of a waste. But the other brighter news is that with kind of uh, COVID laws relaxing in New York, Kyrie is now able to play a lot, pretty much the rest of the home games this year. Um, will that become a bigger difference come playoff time when right now they're sitting at the ninth spot hopefully getting into the playoffs but what's your take on how Brooklyn could take advantage with Kyrie now being able to play at home
1: absolutely time that uh, that changes everything it's a whole new ball game now Kyrie honestly could have the, either the best kind of skill set on the planet uh, Uncle Drew as they say he, he, he came at, he, he comes in and he just I don't know the way he weaves around guys seamlessly like that. I just don't see anyone else that can do it besides Curry occasionally. And Curry's not as explosive as him going to the rack. So with Kyrie back, they're they're uh, they're a top two team in the East to me. So I don't care what their their ranking says as long as they get in. They're uh I, like I said, I've got them. I've got them making the finals. So now with Kyrie back I, I like my uh, my prediction even more
0: I like it too and I can't wait to see because we're getting down to the last week week and a half of the NBA regular season getting close to playoff time I'm excited um, look forward to it so we're going to take a quick commercial break guys when we come back we have our one-on-one Hooper profile with Villanova women's basketball star Maddie Segrist so stay tuned And welcome back to the Hoopjack podcast series, guys. And today for our 101 Hooper profile, we have a very special guest from Villanova University, Nova Nation. We have from the women's basketball program, Maddie Segris. Maddie, it's great to have you on the show.
2: Thank you so much for having me.
0: So um, real quick, I know the season kind of came to a unexpected ending, a uh, hard loss to Michigan in the round of 32. Uh, walk me through kind of... <laughs> how the season felt for you kind of going into the tournament
2: um i mean it's been it was an incredible year for our team for our program this year um you know we just had so many exciting wins and you know close games and a lot of the wins were close we went on a great like streak um and then to make it to the big east championship game was huge and then uh you know we were excited going into the tournament we thought we were going to get picked and then you know, we did one of the last teams, but we got picked and uh, we, we were just so excited.
0: Right. And it, it's always an honor just to be able to play in the tournament. And you guys, like I said, like you said, you guys had a great run. You had some great wins and coming up short, it kind of hurts. But this is motivation to work hard for next year, isn't it?
2: Oh, for sure. Definitely. You just take it, uh, you know, you just use it as fuel, um, especially going to the NCAA tournament. You know, everyone's goal is always to get back there.
0: Right. Right. And you started uh, kind of not – you didn't grow up in Nova, but you grew up in Poughkeepsie, New York. Is that correct? Yes. So I'm not sure how far – so kind of paint me a map. Where is Poughkeepsie, can be, say, to, like – how far away is it to, like, the city?
2: So it's probably an hour and a half north of New York City. So it's about three hours from Villanova's campus.
0: Okay. So – and that's a far away drive, but you're kind of more – you're away from the city. You're kind of in its own little area, which is nice. So did you start playing basketball at a young age, or was it kind of you wanted to feel everything out? You tried different things.
2: Um, yeah, I started at a young age. Um, my dad played basketball at Marist College and coached there a little bit while I was growing up, um, which is a Division One school in the MAC. And so I probably started playing around like five or six, um, but not like seriously. I I until probably seventh or eighth grade.
0: Right, because it uh, it's interesting to see because when I there was one of the highlights that I saw on Instagram where it's just your moves like your Euro step, your fatal ways. You know, it's it's a craft that you kind of build from a young age. So it is also nice to also have someone in the family, like you said, your dad played and coached, So he knows kind of the fundamentals and the game itself.
2: Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, he, he was always, you know, one of my biggest supporters, you know, growing up and still is now. Uh, but the good thing is like, he never really pushed it on me. He never, uh, like overly encouraged basketball, he was like whatever you like, and then you know when I decided that I really loved basketball and I wanted to, you know, have a chance playing college. Um, you know, he was super helpful.
0: Absolutely, and it's nice to hear that he's a big part of your life and big inspiration no matter what. Mm-hmm. So also, you played at Our Lady of Lords. I'm not Is that like a Catholic school?
2: Yes. Uh, it's like a small Catholic school um, with a strong basketball program.
0: So, so how, so what, did, what was it like playing for Our Lady of Lords and kind of the competition that you got to have as well as playing? Like you said, you said it has a strong program. So what was it like playing with some of the girls on your team?
2: Yeah, it was it was great. I mean, uh, in the early like two thousands, um, they had like a ton of kids go to Division One. Um, Brian Georges was the coach, and then uh, when I got there, uh, Coach Viani, Al Viani was the coach, um, and it was great. It was you know it allowed me to compete at the highest level. It was only about a mile from my house, and I got to play, uh, you know, some of the greatest teams in New York. I got to play a bunch of Division One commits. Um, so that, you know that was exciting.
0: So, it's, so you got to play a lot of competition to help kind of your game and see what kind of game they have to branch out in a sense. Yeah,
2: definitely. Definitely.
0: And were you ever part of the AAU scene in New York?
2: Like- yeah, I played for uh, Hudson Valley Elite, which was on the Adidas circuit. Oh, okay. And
0: what was it being able to say? Because you obviously got the chance to not only play in New York, but obviously travel as well so what were some of the places that you got to play that were really fun to play at
2: uh i mean austin um was always one of the great best programs so you definitely played against the best kids there but uh you know we played albertus magnus uh which was another good catholic school but you know in the, the town i grew up in we used to play the public schools too so that was fun you know being able to play like the hometown rivals and stuff like that
0: Okay, a lot of hometown kind of feel gave you that yeah. competitive yeah. That's good. And then competing well in high school at Our Lady of Lords and through the circuit, you landed at Villanova. Uh yeah. how did you were, were
2: were there any other
0: what were some of the kind of feelings you were going towards with deciding I want to play at Nova?
2: uh you know just it was just a great academic school obviously um basketball it speaks for itself but you know the catholic being at a catholic school was important to me and my family and uh, the second i got to velanova it just felt uh it just felt right
0: and that's good that it kind of you felt comfortable at nova you felt kind of a sense of not academics wise it's good but as far as your beliefs and everything like that it fits
2: yeah definitely fit
0: so also during your college career, you've been through, you've played for two different head coaches, correct? Yeah. You played for head coach Harry Perez and cur- currently head coach Denise Dillon. Um, what was it like? What's it like playing for your time with Harry Perez versus Denise Dillon? Is there a kind of a different kind of coaching style with both of them?
2: Um Yes and no. Like they have a lot of similarities. Um, they have a lot of differences too. But uh, Harry's a little more old fashioned the way he coached. But, um, you know, Denise still runs the same style offense, which, um, you know, the five out motion, you know, was one mm-hmm. of the best offenses in the country, in my opinion. Um, but it was really cool. Um, I'm really glad I had the experience to play for, you know, so far, two great coaches in my career.
0: And for currently playing with head coach Denise Dillon, how has she been able to kind of help you as a, not only a basketball player, but as kind of a person both on and off the court?
2: Yeah. I mean, she definitely values in whatever you do, like do the, give it the best that you can. So like every day at practice, like bring that same mentality, um, you know, and, at, you know, just being the best you, you can be, which is, you know, you know, that's, that's awesome. And that's what you would want as a player. Uh, But she just brings like, as a, she's a player's coach. So she really helps you see the game in different ways too, which is just pretty cool.
0: And that's good that you have that connection with her and that she also is able to kind of formulate a strategy and, you know, her methods are helpful to not only you guys, but the program itself. Yeah, definitely. And then at your time at Villanova, you've worked hard, for a lot of the achievements I've seen, I see Big East Rookie of the Year in 2019-20, which kind of led into the pandemic and everything. First Team All-Conference, U.S. BWA Honorable Mention All-American. You were a finalist for the Katrina McLean Award. How does it feel kind of seeing the hard work pay off? I know being a team, it's all about the team. And it. You're a lot of people would say it's, because it's a team sport the team it should be a team award but how does it feel kind of your game being recognized by different committees
2: um it's definitely cool i mean like kind of like what you said uh, i couldn't do anything without my like, teammates and without uh you know being at villanova but uh yeah it's exciting you love to see when you work hard um you know to be rewarded for that um yeah but this year the best accomplishment that uh, you know that I could have is like the Big Five championships and like, you know, winning um take with the team like when we beat UConn like this year and uh, going to the Subway tournament.
0: And those and that's a lot of accomplishments, a lot of hard work being paid off. And like, there's no and like, there's nowhere to go but up in a sense. So hard work keeps coming, and eventually, who knows? A Big East title and even a national championship are around the corner. With the team's hard
2: work, yeah, I mean, I hope so. I think, uh, you know, I mean, obviously, Villanova has all the resources, and I think, uh, you know, Coach Dylan's great, and I think, you know, we're getting great players. We have great players. I think you're right. We're just gonna have continued success.
0: And I had mentioned what during the year that you won your Big East Rookie of the Year. Unfortunately, the pandemic had hit later around March, especially in, in tournament time. That was even a bigger blow to colleges everywhere, the world everywhere, and even student athletes who were even seniors are just getting ready to kind of get everything going. How did you handle, how did the pandemic affect you both uh, as a physical aspect to not being able to play, but as a aspect of, I don't know what to do?
2: Um, you know, I think that, you know, my f- faith was very important during that time, you know, to keep you grounded, but just, you know, every day, just trying to get a little bit better with everything I did, whether that was at home, you know, there's still things I have a hoop in the driveway. I could run, I could lift. So, you know, just making sure I continue to try to better myself.
0: And that's good that you didn't let it kind of get to you. Like you said, you had, you were much into your faith and kind of finding any way to kind of keep yourself busy in a sense.
2: Yeah, for sure.
0: And with, colleges and kind of the NCAA now allowing student athletes to branch out with the NIL name, image, likeness. There are a lot of student athletes who we've had on the show have expressed, you know, their deals that they've had of their personal merge. You are out there. I see Outback, Barstool Sports, or even your own personal t-shirts as well as Pond Lohokie Giordano Law Firm. Is that correct? Yeah. So, how did so we'll start? How did you get into Outback?
2: Uh, that was that was through um, like Colin. Um, you know, he's also partnered with them, um, Colin Glassby on the men's team. But it was all through like social media. Like they DM you. It's it's funny how it all works. But uh, you know, I haven't I haven't paid a ton of attention to it so far. Uh, like during the season, obviously it's it's hard to focus on that stuff. But you know, hopefully in the off season you know, maybe we'll do another camp. I did a camp last summer. Um, so, you know, it's just, it's just really cool that now you're allowed to benefit in that way.
0: Yeah. And then I did see kind of your own personal t-shirts. I think it was you going up for a layup or you going for, <laughs> I believe one of the two, which
2: <laughs> Yeah, it's going up for a layup. <laughs> uh,
0: it was, I, I was, it's one or the other. I was like, Ooh, 50, 50. But um, <laughs> how did you come up with the design for the t-shirt?
2: uh obviously uh it was inspired by the WNBA logo um you know i've always liked that logo and i think uh you know like i have a very distinct ponytail when i play basketball so it was just something uh you know my parents helped me come up with and uh you know started it and then obviously found a company that would continue to help me you know make them
0: and that's good and i i'm glad to see that even that you're taking advantage of the nil and i know during the season, it's not the priority at the time, but now with the off-season, you're still training and everything, but you can kind of continue focusing on school and working with these different companies kind of continue your brand to grow in a sense.
2: Yeah, definitely. I look forward to it that, uh, you know, continue to do that and just, you know, try to grow your brand the best you can. So
0: so just so you're finishing up your junior year now you'll be a senior next year and then the sky's the limit have you thought about what the future could hold
2: uh a little bit I mean I try not to look too far ahead but you know I'd love to you know continue to play professionally um you know if the opportunity presents itself and uh hopefully you know one day either get into coaching or definitely stay around the game
0: and like and correct and like you said it's it's early and it's, you know, the dream is, could still be there and you, it sounds like you do have kind of a goal, but it's not, you know, you want to wait, you want to continue playing. You want to see what, it, what happens.
2: Yeah, definitely. Definitely.
0: And my last question to you is what advice would you give to the next generation of high school basketball players wanting to play at the college level?
2: Uh, just continue to work hard and uh, everybody runs their own race and has their different path. So worry about yourself. Don't worry about the people, you know, the other players, stuff like that. And don't get caught up in all the hype. Just, just do you.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, well, thank you, Maddie, for taking the time to come on the show. I look forward to seeing Nova come out strong again next year for your year and looking forward to all of the great opportunities you have, your brands and whatever future holds for you supports you a hundred percent
2: oh thank you so much thanks for having me
0: no problem all right guys we'll be right back with more hoop jacks so stay tuned and welcome back guys So i want to thank maddie for taking the time to come on the show i'm looking forward to seeing how she continues to ball out at nova continues to work on her brand her image as well as continues the game i'm looking forward to seeing big things from her and guys make sure to check her out when you get the chance and now for our it's kind of a double with our uh deep thought and our mindful moment but i'll explain it here after we go through the first part so for our um our boosted biz deep Dive, which you guys don't know about, Boosted Biz. You've been living under a rock. Uh, Our merch is out now, so make sure if you want to check it out, head over to Boosted Biz. You can type in, or you can just look up Hoopjacks merchandise, Boosted Biz on Google. You can check us out on Instagram as well. We have the link there. Check it out, grab your swag, everything like that. So we recently had, you know, the it was Oscar Sunday and we'll get into the later part in a second um but you know the awards are out for best movies best you know documentaries best tv every 12 movies really on different categories and i saw an interesting one what's and what's the best sports movie based on a true story and they give you a list but um connor what would be your what was what's your best sports movie based on a true story
1: if yeah, fun, funny you ask, I mean I, I gotta stick to my roots and go with Rudy, the, mm. the story of the Rudy. <laughs> yeah, yes sir, time yes sir. You know, uh, That's just no a, there. an inspiring story. Uh, well acted by Sean Aston. Even at Vince Vaughn in there playing the uh, the the the, the uh, other Notre Dame, one of the Notre Dame quarterbacks who's actually a huge underachiever for his ability and it, it was just a movie that mainly echoed the sentiment we hear a lot today that hard work can beat talent if talent doesn't work hard and, and rudiger by no means deserved to be on that field uh deserved to be on that team and he he didn't have an athletic bone in his body but he just pursued it so hard and and uh and figured and figured things out along the way. He didn't he? Didn't just try hard. He, you know, he fought. He 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 clawed. He he got better. You know, it wasn't just a good good soldier out there. He he did everything he could to try to improve his craft and and uh, fight through adversity, which he he fought on a daily basis. And uh, I I just think too, it's the academic aspect of it. Notre Dame being such a pre- prestigious school and. Everybody telling him he couldn't you know, he's not smart enough and then not only to get in but to play football and fulfill that dream That's uh, it's not only just about the achievement. It's about carrying that forward in whatever you do in the rest of your life You can take that work ethic anywhere and be successful. So beautiful beautiful uh, story movie and it's cool for me to to see the uh, it's actually shot on the campus of course, so see a lot of a lot of the buildings that i i was at during my time there
0: and it is a great i i love i like that movie great story like you said and just it, it's it's inspiring to know that you no matter where you start the dream is always possible mm-hmm. in a sense cool. and my favorite has kind of always been between remember the titans and glory road yes sir <laughs> Titans, you know, that's that's based out of Virginia, you know, the story. Um and just coach Coach Boom and that team, uh T C Williams, man, that, that school, that team was just they came together, unity. And just you know, at a time where it was hard for people to mix to work together? different races and it was just that story itself provide proved that you know even though sports brought them together it was the attitudes of people that ch- that you got to change
2: mm-hmm.
0: um and everything like that and it's a it's the same with glory road because that movie you know set a team out of El paso texas you know the west texas miners and that story is the same way itself they had to struggle with you know a time where you they didn't there was no diversity there was nothing and then when they played Kentucky at the biggest stage ever they proved that they can they are better than they are better than that so mm-hmm. I truly enjoy that story as well and just being able to overcome the odds and everything like that is basically what revolves around a true story and a sports story itself Mm-hmm. and kind of segueing into our mindful moment um basically if you haven't seen it or haven't heard, um, there was an altercation at the Oscars um Chris Rock, the comedian made a what I would say a non- okay it wasn't an okay joke like in the in the context of him trying to place it it wasn't right but then will Smith, because chris rock made a joke about J- jada pickett smith will smith's wife about oh you know i guess her having to go through alopecia which is you know the lost hair loss and everything mm-hmm. like is hard to go through mentally and physically um that he made that joke um based off of the movie gi jane starring um demi moore uh, back in like the 90s i believe had to do my research on it so when um so he made that joke and then all of a sudden you see will smith walk up and what you would appear to be what was appear to be a forehand to his face a good forehand to his face and walk back like nothing happened chris rock took it like a champ i'll give him that but then you kind of hear some altercation afterwards where people were just like is this serious is this for real did that just happen um but it also kind of got to the motion of you know two wrongs don't make a right uh chris rock was wrong in the sense of the joke will smith was wrong for the aggression kind of you know the matter of the fact kind of altercation that happened but i mean i could be wrong i know did you catch it at all connor
1: Person. Yeah, I didn't watch live. I, yeah, I don't really watch the Oscars. I don't. I don't care too much about them. But I yeah. did see the reaction on Twitter, and of course, I, I like to look on Twitter because people have a, people are witty. You know, they've got funny things to say about it, and I, I definitely saw some things that made me laugh. But actually, watching the live footage, it was just uh, it was shocking to me that you, know, you had two two grown men up there acting like that on on such a public uh prestigious stage um it was uh it was an appalling reaction from from for will smith definitely to go do that uh i feel like that's something you learn as a kid that no matter what said you know violence isn't going to solve anything um no especially like that that's something you can you can talk with talk with the guy afterwards. You know, it was a distasteful joke and that uh, it's not the first time that some comedians made probably a joke that's gone too far, but we just haven't had such a fiasco of a reaction like this. So it's just, uh, you know, it's, it's kind of what, what Hollywood can be in a sense, like uh, the, the kind of history you get with uh with 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 things like this we could have handled it a a lot better but right uh, that's the way it went
0: and like you said happening it happening on that big of a stage and like you said i mean i don't know how many people watch the oscars but i know people who were there experienced it firsthand (laughs) had that but i think people now (laughs) tuned in more just for that scene No, and then people were thinking, was it fake? Was it staged? You know, that couldn't be happening. That wasn't real. Yeah. And it it also kind of pointed me to the sense of, you know, how people handle it mentally. Because, well, that, that family, and I feel bad because their business has been out for a long time. And Will Smith has had to deal with it you know, stuff happening with his wife, you oh, know.
1: Yeah, the affair,
0: yeah. I mean, it's hard to kind of car- car- compartmentalize that in a sense of how do I handle this differently? Now, you wanted to defend your family, which Will Smith has every right, right to. I think the altercation could have happened at the end. I think uh, face-to-face, you know, like talking, handling it out after the, the Oscars could have worked. And the irony part of that is 45 minutes after that had happened, Will Smith wins award for best actor in a role for his role in King Richard, which fantastic movie. which I need to watch that movie. Um being as a tennis player, I need to watch that movie. Um but I think, in a sense, you know, it, it it goes into the mind of mental health. You know, how do we handle it mentally? And I think it points to that. You know what I mean? I think it points to how we need to handle things mentally-wise instead of kind of just going with this. We need to think before we act.
1: Yeah, that's uh, pretty fundamental stuff. That's why. It's a good reminder that if, if anything positive could have been taken away, it's that like you said you gotta be able to uh, take yourself out of the situation and kind of see it from above and, and not just not just react like uh, like a five year old would or something you know?
0: right exactly uh, and that's gonna be it guys so I wanna thank you for taking the time to come on the show I'm looking forward to everyone tuning in I wanna thank Maddie Segris as well for taking the time to come on the show I wanna thank Connor Always a pleasure having you on, my man. I couldn't do this without you, the process and everything. Thank you for taking the time. And guys, make sure to check out our swag store. Make sure to check out our work with Kenichi Bear Headphones. Links are all on our Instagram page on our link tree, so check it out. More episodes coming soon. Keep listening. Keep helping us out whenever you can. And remember, don't be a bystander. Be a hooper and keep balling. Peace.